Welcome to the Shred with Science podcast with your host, Dr. Chris Spearman, one of the world's leading online fitness coaches, an expert in metabolic correction and a global cover model. Chris delves deep into the most up-to-date scientific literature to provide you with the tools you need to live a healthy, enjoyable, and educated lifestyle. Yo, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Shred with Science podcast. As most of you will have seen already, if you're listening to this, the artwork and the branding for the podcast has changed. Now, the reason that's changed is because I, I've kind of identified that a lot of the episodes, like I said, over the last kind of few weeks or even few months have been branching into business um, maybe PTs trying to grow their business, online coaches trying to grow their business, which is great. Um, and as I identified already, I have decided to set up a new podcast called the Fitness Coach Freedom Podcast. So if you haven't, go over, search. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes as well. If you are here, of course, this will be massively valuable if you're an online coach or a personal trainer to help you um, in terms of what we're gonna talk about today. But if you are more geared towards growing your business online or wanna have a listen to both, then definitely check that out. Um, and, and the whole purpose then of this is to bring this back to, to more training, science, nutrition, um, to help people get in the best shape of their lives. Of course, there is still gonna be a lot of mindset elements um, because I think that's massively important. Today, I abs- you know what? I absolutely loved recording this podcast. This was with Cody McBroom, um, and we talk everything about home workouts, hotel room workouts, um, and even hotel gym workouts. And for me, that is massively, massively important uh, for any of us because at some point, you know, we will be traveling. Um, you know, we will be in a in a place where we want to get some form of workout in with limited equipment. Uh, or those of you out there who don't really like going to commercial gyms and like training at home, and that is perfectly fine. So today's guest is an absolute uh, legend in the U.S. fitness scene, uh, Cody McBroom. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, Cody is the CEO of Boom Boom Performance, father, fiance, entrepreneur, trainer, nutritional coach, educator, um, and just an absolute cool guy. Uh, his niche really is, I, I suppose, we, he's, he's got a number of niches, but training programming, um, his ability to work with uh, people often with limited space uh, amongst an array of other things. Obviously, he has an, an extremely successful online coaching platform, um, and we've been lucky to, to have connected over the last number of weeks. I really love this episode because it's something transparently that I not struggle with obviously I, I you know I, I travel quite a lot and, and I go out of my way to ensure that I can get the best of equipment or, or I tra- I'll travel to gyms but as you guys all know that's not always the case so I hope you enjoyed this episode as always tag myself tag Cody um, also head over to his podcast we also recorded for his uh, podcast as well uh, we did a, a completely separate episode where he interviewed me about kind of what I've been through, my goals uh, for the future, how it's been over the last kind of year, taking my training a little bit more serious. Um, so check that out. The link to that is also in the show notes. Uh, as always, the free call for anyone who's left a review on iTunes 
goes to Rosie Rascal, who says, epic knowledge bombs. This is my daily dose of podcast heaven right now. I don't think I've ever listened to a podcast that has had so many knowledge bombs all crammed into 20 to 60 minutes. So thankful I found it. As a coach myself, I'm always trying to learn more and give the best service I can. And listening to this each day is reminding me of the things I'd forgotten. Adding more in-depth detail and understanding to methods I already use. It's also educating me in a really clear and digestible way. This podcast is 100% allowing me to add more value to my clients' lives. Excited each day to feed my brain. Thank you. Rosie, thank you so much for your review. As always, drop me a DM or hit me up in Gmail at chrisspearmanfitness at gmail.com. Sliding into my DMs will be the uh, the most probably you're going to reach me directly rather than getting one of my team. So do that. We'll schedule a call and talk anything you like. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, tag myself, tag Cody, put it on your stories. Let us know what your thoughts are. Enjoy. Dude, it must be beautiful. I've, uh, uh, like I said, I've been to, to Washington a few times and there's trees everywhere. Imagine that being your, your cardio. Massively jealous. Yeah. 100%. It's, it's honestly, it actually motivates you to do the cardio. Um, I throw a weight vest on and I like to keep, it's not that I don't like high intensity cardio, but because I do push the training side of things, I'm actually uh, prepping for a photo shoot right now. So I'm keeping cardio low intensity just to save myself recovery wise, but there's trees everywhere, man. We have 40 miles of trees just in my neighborhood, which is unbelievable. So it's just walking through greenery and looking at the mountains and I can literally see the mountain from my house. It's, it's unbelievable out here. So it, it makes cardio pretty enjoyable. That's actually one of the most beautiful places I've been. So there and BC, British Columbia are probably two of my favorite places um, that I've been. So massively jealous. You know what? I've not used a weighted vest in a long, long time. Probably it's, since my rugby strength and conditioning days, but do you, do you do that a lot? It's, it's honestly like, so I have a garage gym built out. Um, so right now it's actually kind of crazy. So we're actually looking, we're, we're getting ready to get this warehouse unlocked. So we'll have a physical location where we can train and film and do things like that. In right now the, in Washington. Yeah. Um, in the garage gym is, is pretty well equipped. I mean, squat rack, dumbbells, kettlebells, assault bike, rower, benches, like everything. Dude, that's the um, dream in your house. In my house, man, it's amazing. I so I don't have to go anywhere. But the the weight vest is like I, I got it just as like uh, to be completely transparent. As I was building the garage gym, I was like, I just want a bunch of cool shit in here. So I just started ordering stuff, and I don't use it a ton. Um, I have done push ups with it multiple times, but I really love using dumbbells and using cables. And I have a cable machine in my garage and stuff like that. So I don't use it a ton, but I love it for cardio because it just makes it a little bit more intense. It, it sweating is not tied to caloric expenditure. So I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but it makes me sweat a little bit more. I feel more motivated. Like I'm working harder and it's just kind of a, a motivation thing. Um, and there actually has been some cool research. I believe James Krieger has been putting it out um, very recently on people doing cardio with weighted clothes. So they actually put like, I don't know if there's lead inside of what they're wearing, but basically they walk and it just helps their neat and energy expenditure during contest prep. So that kind of gave me a, a second little boost to do it. But um, I just love walking through the trees, man. It's just so beautiful out here. So throwing the weight vest on to make it a little bit more intense, but still keeping it low intensity is, is a great way to go. You know, the one thing I, I really want to chat to you about is uh, home workouts because they're, so you don't know if you know this, but not probably 
maybe 60 to 70% of, of my clients are, are North American um, for whatever reason. And uh, a lot of you guys have, you know, a, a lot of you know, stuff at home. So, and, and obviously you mentioned you do it yourself. Let's just say for, for those out there who are training at home, what are the things they need to consider? Um, what are the benefits? What are the drawbacks? And the reason I ask is because for me, like, you know, we, we spoke about already is I, I need to get out and go to the gym for like a mental release from work, etc. But unfortunately, some people just don't have time to do that. So they train at home. What would you say to, to those? And, you know, what are the positives? What are the drawbacks? Um, and what's your overall opinion? So one thing I will agree with you on is I've always enjoyed being in the gym. Um, once I kind of fell in love with training, it, it was my getaway. It was a sanctuary. It was somewhere I would go and, and be able to do that. The reason I built a home gym was because my online business grew and I started working from home and then I had my daughter. And for me, I was like, how can I, I'm very into like being as productive as humanly possible. And one of the ways I did that, I was like, how can I make more of my time and it was not going to the gym. It was just walking into my garage and working out. So I think for, for people who want to not spend so much time driving to the gym, getting ready for the gym, coming home from the gym, doing all those things, it can save an hour a day maybe. even Maybe even if it's just 30 minutes a day because the commute is closer. But to me, that 30 minutes is very valuable. So that's why I did the home gym. Now, the things that you need to consider is if, if you are chasing – a very aesthetic and impressive physique and in a way that you want to build more muscle, you want to get ready for a stage, you want to uh, do a photo shoot, you want to be, um, and this is my goal, these are my aspirations as they are yours, we want to be as muscular and as lean as possible essentially, you kind of have to be ready to invest quite a bit of money because home gyms are not cheap and I don't think that you're going to build the most optimal physique by just having a Bowflex in your gym, for example, or like um, a, a pair of... Uh, what are those uh, adjustable dumbbells in your gym, right? I, I approached it in a way where I was going to really invest some money. So I, I mean, I laid down rubber matting. I bought an assault bike, a rower, a weight vest, dip bars, squat rack, cable machine, dumbbells, uh, up to a hundred barbell with plates, landmine attachments. Like I went all in pull up bar, like TRX. Like I really went all in and I just decked out my garage and it took a few months of like stocking things up and I spent multiple thousands of dollars equipping it. Um, but saving that time and being able to do it in my garage and having a place my wife can go to if she wants to work out, that was worth it to me. So the first caution I would give people is just like, how far do you want to push your physique? And I know with your podcast being the shred of science and, and you work with a lot of people getting ready for uh, being a fitness cover model or photo shoots or getting shredded, I do think there is something to say that it, it's not going to be optimal unless you get a, a good amount of equipment because you need that variation. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it was something that we spoke about off, off, offline as well is that the, in truth, I completely agree. But the one thing we discussed and, and, and agreed with already is sometimes executing the exercise is actually really important. So a lot of people could actually start off building a really good physique with lightweight and just getting the exercises done correctly before they build up to, you know, maybe being on the cover of a magazine. That being said, like I said to you already, you know, I look at the cover of my first magazine and I'm like, I could have been in so much better shape. Like I, I, I'm not holding a lot of muscle at all. So completely agree. But I, I think as well, like, I think people really focus on maybe executing the exercise, 
and being more mindful with what they're actually trying to achieve in the gym, probably be, you know, okay with, with a decent amount of equipment, but you know, probably don't need too much. Dude, I would love to see it to be honest. Cause hundred percent. So like, and sorry to interrupt, but that was like literally my next point, dude. So I'm glad that you said that because I think the next thing you have to realize is that you could probably get away with less variation and more, uh, volume and or proper execution and get away with just as much muscle. Um, I see a lot of people that want to do home workouts and they just have like a band and they want to do body weight stuff. That's, that's what I was saying. Like, Hey, be ready to invest some money, get some dumbbells, like get some bands, get a good bench, get a cardio machine, get something that you can use variation. You don't have to go all out like I did. But once you do that, I think you can get away with doing less. So like, for example, when I follow um, a split that I really enjoy is a upper lower push pull legs. So I'm lifting heavy five days a week. Two days are like max effort style. Um, three days are push pull legs hypertrophy. Um, on my upper lower max effort, I'm not doing a ton of exercises. I'm, I'm doing a few select exercises to hit the body parts I want to hit that are most effective for me. And I might stick with those exercises for eight weeks because as long as I'm progressing, I'm progressing. I'm not going to change anything. But I, I don't worry. I don't major in the minor, if that makes sense. And I don't worry about, you know, I need to do eight different exercises or I need to do a dumbbell bench press, a barbell bench press, a decline press, an incline press, and then a cable fly and then a dumbbell fly and like all these variations when in reality, I'm really just trying to fire and activate the muscles that I'm here to work. And on a specific day, I might just be trying to build strength, which is my max effort day. Um, so I might go in there and I think on my upper day, uh, the first upper day, I think for my chest, I do a bench press and a dip. I'm like, that's really it. I'm worried about execution and I'm worried about load. Um, I do an overhead press for my uh, shoulders and I do end with some lateral raises. Um, on my push pull legs day, like those days I'm going to use more variations, but speaking to those using a garage gym, like try simplifying things, doing a little bit less, doing more of those things and doing them better. And I think you can get away with doing a lot less or having a lot less equipment in those scenarios. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Supplement Needs. Supplement Needs are one of the UK's fastest growing online health and supplement stores. They have completely exploded over the last year and have been giving out not only some incredible products, but also some incredible information. For me, over the last number of years, I feel like the health aspect of the health and fitness industry has been completely left out and companies like Supplement Needs are bringing your health as a priority to the forefront. For me, Maybe it's because I'm a little bit older. Maybe it's because I'm a little bit wiser, but I'm focusing so much more now on health, knowing that I can never fully perform without being as optimal as I possibly can in terms of my health. A lot of the supplements that I take from supplement needs and have been taking are health related. For example, zinc, magnesium, P5P, L-theanine, 5-HTP, vitamin B5, ashwagandha, methyl B12, vitamin D3, curcumin, and tudka. Now, for me to bring a sponsor onto the podcast, it is imperative for me, firstly, that I believe in the brand, their ethos, their message, but also their supplements. Now, knowing that Dr. Dean St. Mart heads their intelligence and their formulation is incredible. 
just to have someone like that to give that level of detail for those of you guys who don't know dr dean is a great friend of mine and he has a phd in organic chemistry his sole goal is to help supplement needs create the best possible formulations possible uh, so over the last number of months he has created four stacks there's a kidney and blood pressure stack a liver stack a sleep stack and a heart stack now for me to have a relationship with a company that gives that level of detail and puts that much uh, emphasis on making other people's health a priority especially when it comes to science it was an absolute no-brainer for me you can also find a lot of other supplements on their uh, both in their in-house store in New Milton, but also online on their website, Redcon One, Granite Supplements, Anabolic Design, Adapt, SciTech, and more recently the Train by JP Nutrition Supplements. Some amazing products, uh, just an amazing brand, and really excited to be working with them. If you haven't, please check them out at supplementneeds.co.uk. You can also find them on Instagram. And if you want to save some money off, use the code SPEARMAN on your order to save yourself some money. Yeah, absolutely. What I love there is you addressing the fact that depending on obviously where your starting point is, but generally speaking, to get in cover model shape, you actually don't need to grow a huge amount of tissue. And I know as guys, we all say, like, if I get a questionnaire from a guy, generally speaking, I, this is generalizing, and I'm not having to dig at guys, but generally we all want the same thing. We want to grow muscle, get lean. We want to get lean and grow muscle. So what I say to a lot of these guys is if you want to get in cover model shape, generally speaking, you probably just want to get leaner and you look bigger or fuller or more defined and, and you will, you know, the, the illusion of looking bigger comes with getting leaner. So a lot of the time I'll say, listen, you know, worry about getting leaner first. And, and like we spoke about already, sometimes without being, you know, overly harsh, it's like you actually didn't lose muscle. You just didn't realize how little muscle you had. And I feel I can say that because that, that was me for a long period of my life. Even now, even now I feel like, you know, there's so much more muscle to, to grow. Um, yeah, obviously we've got a lot of clients in that situation who are fortunate to have a home gym, or we do have some clients who maybe are, are in the weight loss stage and they're not fully comfortable enough. We've got some, some clients who just prefer their own surroundings and they're not ready to break out and, and go to a gym or they're only starting off in their journey and, and they would prefer that privacy. What would you say to those who just purely want to lose weight? Uh, what sort of program design or what sort of split or what sort of mentality should they have? Um, let's say for people who are only just starting off. I love it. Um, just, just real quick to uh, echo what you said, man. I, uh, I agree with the the statement about not having as much muscle and I did the same thing. I, the first time I got really cut, I, I got really lean and I was like, Oh, I didn't look how I thought I was going to look. And then I spent time building muscle and I did a cut again. That's when I got on stage and I was like, okay, this is better. And people will see other guys on Instagram and I've had this happen to me. Like, man, you look huge. Like, yo, Jack, I'm like, no, I lost 15 pounds. and got ready for like a shoot, man. I just look bigger on Instagram because you can see my muscles now. Um, so I totally agree with what you're saying, but I think, so one principle I have for people who want to lose weight and how they should train or how their split should be like 
there's kind of like a, a hierarchy to this. Before we even talk about tactics and strategies, like the first thing for anybody, and this, this goes for people that are advanced like you and I, or people who are just beginners just getting into this whole thing, the number one thing we have to consider is adherence. So if I create a science-based program for you that is six days a week, it uses the optimal amount of frequency to enhance your volume, it uses different intensification techniques, it's set up perfectly with exercise sequencing, like I do all the cool, exciting, sciencey stuff that I love, but there's no way you can adhere to more than four days a week in the gym, then you constantly feel like a failure because you're missing sessions. And now we're just not even adhering to the plan or staying consistent and it becomes pointless. So before we step into program design and all these tactics, the first thing to, to talk to a client about, uh, with about is what can you adhere to? How many days can you actually get to the gym and have a good workout? I'm hoping somebody says I want to be active six days a week because that gives me more time to, or more room to play with. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if you tell me four, I need to optimize four days a week. If you tell me five, I'll optimize, optimize five, right? Um, and I think that's really, really important for people to understand so they don't jump into something that they can't consistently do. After that, I would have most people consider that if you are looking to lose fat or looking to lose weight, you should train like you're trying to build muscle. Um, and I'd love to get your take on this as well, but I find that a lot of people who come to us who are in the beginning stages come to us trying to lose weight and they're doing lots of cardio. They're doing circuit training like Orange Theory. They might be doing CrossFit because it is more high intensity. But I, I do find that the most advantageous way to truly burn fat and get to that aesthetic physique that they're searching for is actually to train like a bodybuilder in many ways. Um, you don't need long rest periods, but um, like a power lifter. So you have shorter rest periods, so your heart rate will get up, but you're more focused on building muscle. That's going to help you maintain muscle during a cut. So when you get to that leaner physique, you actually have something to show for. Not to mention, it's probably going to um, have a more of a metabolic effect in the long term. And it's also possibly going to burn more calories during the session and after the session compared to just a general cardio session. So I think it's really important for people to really try to build strength and build muscle, even while they're trying to lose weight. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And you, you touched on one thing, I get asked a huge amount. And obviously, you know, you're based over in the States, you'll have a better idea than me. Orange theory. So it, it's quite similar to, to some of the, the uh, businesses that we have over here. For a lot of my American clients who want to know a little bit more about orange theory, what are your thoughts? And I'm completely, I, I don't know a huge amount about it, but you mentioned it and I get asked quite a lot. Um, would I recommend? What are your thoughts on something like that um, for specifically people who want to lose weight? And you basically kind of touched on it there, but kind of explain what orange theory is like. Um, and the benefits it may have, but also what you feel might be more optimal, like you said, and just, just why that might be the case. I love agree. Um, yeah, no, I love this question because I get asked this all the time as well. I almost look at Orange Theory, this, this might be a bad analogy, but I look at Orange Theory kind of like a lunge. A lunge is a supplemental exercise to improve your squat, uh, but you got to squat, right? Strength training is your squat building muscle is your squat. That's what you need to prioritize. Now you can still do lunges. You can still do orange theory, but it should not be the only thing you do. It should not be the primary thing you do. Now, granted, like the reason this could be a bad analogy is because somebody has back issues. Somebody can't squat properly. We're not going to put them under a bar and have them squat. Obviously we'll have them lunge or use unilateral movements because it's safer. But my point being is that orange theory is more supplemental. Um, you shouldn't be choosing any type of cardio over strength training. So let's say you're strength training four days a week because that's what your nervous system can handle. But, like you're but, lifting. But Cody, dude, I just want to lose weight, dude. I just want to lose weight. Surely it's a calorie <laughs> deficit, right? I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. Um, and, and I think, 
you know, it's, it's something that I get all the time. So how do you address it with your clients? So the way I address it is basically like, yes, it is a calorie deficit. It is going to burn calories and we should be doing that. We just shouldn't be doing that all the time. A couple of reasons. Number one, you're not going to be building much strength or muscle during that. Number two, if you're only doing cardio, your body is adapting in an unfavorable way. We want it to adapt in a favorable way, which is going to happen with strength training. So if you're not doing any strength training and all you're doing is cardio, it's not going to happen very well. And even though Orange Theory does use weights and rowers and it's high intensity, it still is cardio. It's circuit training. The other piece of that is that as you go into, like, and the thing is, is I will say, like, I have to preface, like, it's a cool atmosphere to be in with classes. So I will recommend it to people. So I don't want people to think I'm just shitting on it because there are times and, and you'll probably agree with it. There's times like, and it's the same reason why you and La, I love going to the gym. There's an atmosphere. There's an energy. There's a feeling when you're in there, there's camaraderie. There's other people that we can train with. Some people need to find that. So I do have clients that train, let's say four days a week lifting. And then one or two days a week, they go to an orange theory or a circuit train class, or they do cardio at a, a spin class, whatever if that's your means of burning calories and staying active and it gives you motivation, then I'm 100% for it. But if I have all the control in the world and this person will adhere to anything I give them, I'm probably going to give them anywhere between four to six days of actual lifting weights focused on building muscle. And I'm going to give them one to two days a week of doing low intensity cardio uh, because it's going to strictly burn calories. It's way easier on the joints. It's way easier on your hip flexors and your shoulders and your, the, I see this a lot with spin classes. They're doing a ton of hip flexion and shoulder protraction and they get really bad shoulder and hip issues, but it's going to be better on your body and it's going to be better on your nervous system. You can burn out from too, too much high intensity cardio. So if we're doing lifting and a ton of high intensity cardio, or we're just doing high intensity cardio, your nervous system is going to burn out and we do not want that because that's not going to allow us to progress. And then the last thing I will say about this is, and this is more anecdotal, but when we look at an, uh, energy systems, right? and we look at how we're training, strength training is very similar to high intensity cardio. You're doing a heavy squat for anywhere between, let's say 15 seconds to 40 seconds. Your heart rate goes through the roof. You take a one to two minute rest and you go back at it, right? You're building muscle, but from a heart rate variability perspective, it's very similar to high intensity cardio, which means the energy systems used and the metabolic pathways used can be kind of similar. So I actually find better results with people that do more low intensity styles cardio because it's completely different than their strength training. And because of that, I think they're getting more advantages from varying the energy systems they're using. And I tend to see better results, but I also think that's a matter of just recovering better because low intensity cardio will tend to uh, allow better recovery. I mean, you've probably experienced this going into a prep for uh, either a competition or a cover or a photo shoot. Like when you're dieting and you're training hard, you're getting more fatigued. It's part of it. There's stress. If you add high intensity cardio into the mix, it just smashes you. So you have to be really careful with how much you place into your protocol. I agree. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when someone says, you know, Chris, should I do orange theory? Should I do F45? Should I do CrossFit? Should I do this? The, the right answer is always the same. It depends. Anyone yep. who says anything other than it depends is, uh, uh, I think you need to ask a question. And it's exactly like you said, it's okay. Well, it depends. Like you said, some of my clients, I will suggest they go to something like Orange Theory because they need to, you know, they need some accountability to be there in a class with other people or, you know, it depends. Are they optimally trying to, you know, resistance train or are they optimally trying to build muscle? Are they optimally trying to, you know, be in a deficit? I completely agree with you. Personal preference for me, 
is I will always pick low intensity over high intensity. Forget about any energy pathways, any physiology. Mental clarity for me is, is the fact that I can do a million things while I'm walking. I yeah. can listen to a podcast. I can be on my phone. I can be answering emails. I can be replying to clients. I can be, you know, voice noting clients, getting back to people, posting on my story, all of these things that I cannot do when I'm hit training. Yes, of course, the time is, you know, it's the time it would take me to, to do hit training is less, but that's still 15, 20 minutes out of the day that I can't do anything other than burn calories. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent on the same page with you. I'm a big multitasker, so I would agree. And and for the people listening, Chris and I have never had a conversation on cardio, so it just goes to show when two people come together and agree one hundred percent, it's a good sign that it's probably a smart move. Um, but I but I do agree with you in the sense that it always depends, and I think every person is different. So if you enjoy it, go ahead and do it. But I will say, like we we had this discussion on my podcast, and we just kind of briefly touched on it when we're trying to get shredded or just get really lean. We want to have muscle to show for when we get to that point. Otherwise, you're going to get to this point and you're going to be skinny fat and you're not going to be happy with what you see and you're going to be confused as to why because you don't have as much muscle as you imagine. But if you're working really hard to build muscle while you're cutting, you're going to maintain more muscle, possibly recomp depending on who you are. And I think it's going to set you up in a better place. And, and you're not going to build muscle with orange theory or high intensity cardio. You're going to build muscle with bodybuilding style strength workouts. Um, and I think that's really important for people to hear because I see that a lot and I don't know about if you guys see the same thing in your company, but we see this a lot with women. They, they constantly want to chase scale, the scale dropping and I'll get women. I'm like, you're already pretty lean. Like we don't need to get leaner. We need to build muscle. Like let's bring you back to maintenance. Let's focus on building muscle for a while. Then when we get you lean, you'll actually see what you want. Like I know the word tone isn't really a thing, but they want that tone, dense, athletic look. And I really do believe that like women building muscle needs to be more of a priority with strength training because that's what's going to lead to that type of body. Also, which builds a better relationship with their bodies? Them being yeah. ac accepting the fact that the scales, the scale only means one thing. The scale is your body's relationship to the, you know, the formula of gravity to the mass of the earth. That's it. That's, that's all it tells you. The relationship. Um, you know, when you plug it into the formula in terms of gravity based on the mass of the earth, that is all that tells you. It, that's all it tells you. It doesn't tell you, you know, your, your skin folds, how you feel, your performance, your sleep, your gut health, you know, your sex drive, your, your, where your mental, your mental clarity is, um, you know, how you're able to perform, what, how much muscle mass you have, how strong you are, your tone. I, I, I agree. I don't really like that word, but I think in, in some scenarios, it, 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 it's applicable to, you know, what women are trying to achieve. Right. That's all the weight, all, all the scale tells you. And if someone is continually chasing the scale aimlessly, I will question why that is. And I'll say, right, okay, yes, we probably want you to get to this weight, but there's so many other things that we need to focus on here. And obviously, like you said, resistance training is so important in terms of, you know, insulin sensitivity, your ability to recover. Um, I think strength is really important. It's also important for people to have other goals um, and other, like, we all know, you know, losing weight is not linear. So if there's a period of a few weeks whereby weight doesn't move, well, you know, in case your client's head starts rolling down the street thinking, oh my God, what's going on? You need to have other parameters or other uh, forms of 
progression that they can kind of pull into. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's just a healthier way to be. Um, so much better. We, yeah. we use, uh, we, we're big on, we talk about biofeedback a lot inside of our coaching and we make sure we're tracking sleep, mood, cravings, hunger, stress, performance, body fatigue, progressive overload in the gym. We're taking pictures. We're possibly measuring. Now for every single client, if we go back to like what we said, like, Hey, what's the best scenario for a beginner? If you come on and you're, you've never done this before, I might not throw 18 different metrics at you to track, but for a lot of people, we've created systems that make tracking these metrics very easy, but I find that it helps break that normal poor relationship with the scale for a lot of people because they're not only focused on the scale. Like you said, a few weeks go by and their weight didn't change, but they can see their sleep improving, their performance in the gym is improving, they're recovering better, they're not as moody, like their digestion is great. We can bet on all these things improving that realistically your body composition is going to follow. And, and the saying I always say is the, the physical follows the physiological. So if your body composition on the scale is not changing, but all these physiological manners are changing for the better, I can bet your ass that the scale is probably going to change with it. Your body composition is probably going to change next. Yeah, absolutely. And it depends as well. You know, if, if your focus with your clients is on more how you look rather than how you feel, or, you know, the fitness rather than just the health and fitness aspect of things. It, it kind of says a lot about where, you know, the metrics are. And granted, you know, this might sound rich for people, for, for someone who says that, you know, the, their business purposely tries to get people in cover model shape or get people on the cover of a magazine, you know, like any of my clients will know. And, and like myself and Cody discussed in his podcast is the first thing that we will discuss is digestion, sleep. Uh, you know, mental clarity, how you're feeling, all of these things that, that play a massive role. Um, what are your thoughts for those out there who I suppose want to get in shape or they want to really, you know, transform? When I say transform, let's say primarily people who want to get leaner, um, be it for a cover of a magazine or, you know, someone who just wants to lose like 40, 50 pounds, drop some dress sizes, what would you suggest, you know, if they're say, you know, limited, be it in a gym, a hotel gym, or, you know, their gym at home that they maybe focus on in terms of intensity or because of course their weights are generally limited, their exercise selection is generally limited. What would you suggest they do in terms of volume, rest time, uh, you know, time under tension and things like that? I love this question, man. I think there's so many ways we could go with it. Um, the first thing I would say is like, we have to, we have to consider what, what are we doing muscle group wise, body part wise, movement pattern wise, more specifically in most scenarios like this, if we're speaking of one specific day, like somebody's traveling or somebody just this one off session, I'm probably going to suggest a push, pull, hip, knee, core. Those five movement patterns kind of cover all of our bases. So if you do some kind of push, some kind of pull or row, um, some, something for your hips or so some kind of hip hinge or leg curl, let's say, um, with hip extension, some type of knee dominant movement, and then something for your core. You've basically hit all the fundamental movement patterns and we've kind of covered all of our bases. Now, if this isn't just a one-off thing, um, I would probably suggest an upper lower type of deal, right? Like let's go in and just hit upper body because we're limited to what, what we can do, but we have to repeat this on a regular basis. I like more isolated workouts if I can get them. So either a push workout or an upper body uh, style workout. Um, and then after that, 
I'm going to look at every way that we can intensify a movement without adding joint stress. Usually that means no load, right? Which is obvious because they can't go past a certain amount of weight if they're in a hotel gym, let's say. But the other piece of that is, and we spoke about this on my podcast, is picking movement patterns that actually function really well with them. So if we're doing a dumbbell press for the chest, how are we doing that? Is it on the floor? Is it on an incline bench? Is it on a decline bench? Is it with a wider grip, a neutral grip, a close grip? Uh, is it a squeeze press where we're pushing the dumbbells together? We have to communicate with the client to decide like what exercise is going to get you to find that connection to the body part and get the most out of the movement. So get the biggest bang for your buck. And I'm not a, um, I would actually say that you're as of late, obviously you've been going really deep into this with all the stuff you've been doing with BPAC and stuff. Um, I haven't been a huge uh, connection guy. That's not my specialty, but it is something in these types of situations that I really, really double down on because we're limited with what we can do inside of a hotel gym, a garage gym, your bedroom, whatever situation they're in. Um, so the first thing I'm going to do is communicate with them, which if we're targeting the chest for this one, what do you, when do you feel this the most in what movement patterns, right? And then I'm going to give them cues. And I think this is something that a lot of people should think more about inside the industry. I actually just did an episode on my podcast with Jordan Syatt. And we talked about this for a long time because I think there's a lot of people who jump really quickly into coaching and they haven't done a lot of hands-on experience. Like you're in the gym training all the time. You're working with people, you're working with Ben, like that gives you external cues that drive internal function. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, I trained people in person for six days a week for six years. During that time, I mastered the ability to communicate with someone and figure out what word or what saying or what terminology was going to get them to just kind of like, just click on and understand what I wanted them to do with a movement pattern to activate that. Um, a good example of this, something John Meadows said years ago that clicked with me during a dumbbell press was to imagine that there was a large balloon over my chest and I was trying to pop that balloon with the two dumbbells. And it sounds so funny, but every time I got to the top of that movement and I tried to pop that balloon, like my chest just ignited. And that made a dumbbell bench press much more favorable to me than a barbell bench press. Like it works better for my muscles um, and for probably my limb length and how I function through it. So once we determine what exercise is going to work best, let's find some inter external cues that are going to drive that internal feeling for the individual. And then I'm really going to play with probably tempo and some kind of, uh, if, if we're in a hotel room and this is kind of me getting geeky and just having fun with it, some kind of intensification technique like a myo rep or a, uh, isometric hold at the end or slow negatives on the last set drop sets like, uh, EDTs, which would be like a time frame where you're doing a certain amount of exercises and you're doing as many rounds as you can inside of a time limit. So like a, a giant set within eight minutes, as many rounds, for example, really drive metabolite accumulation, lactic acid and blood flow. But the main point here is like, what movements are we hitting? What exercises are going to allow you to feel those movements best? Um, how are we externally giving you coaching cues to ignite that feeling inside the muscle? And then how can we intensify it with slower tempo. So even if that's like a three second negative, a two second pause and exploding up, or even taking a slow controlled concentric up so we can continue to have that feeling inside the muscle. Um, and then towards the end of each set, maybe we're adding some myo reps, some pause reps, some drop sets, things like that, that are really going to add volume without adding stress on the joint and adding a ton of time. Because usually if somebody is in a hotel gym or something like that, they don't have all the time in the world. They're not going to be in there for hours. So I do usually like to add some kind of intensification at the end. This also comes back and almost answers 
what you were doing when, you know, when you had your, your injury, that you had to, in, in lots of ways, kind of revert back to, let's say, a more volume you know, approach. The, I've, I've kind of changed my stance on, on the, the term mind-muscle connection. So let's just say, uh, give the perfect example that you gave of, of the dumbbell, uh, the dumbbell press or fly, for example, and, you know, having a, a balloon um, and over you. My feeling there is I would be like, oh yeah, I, I get it. I got this mind-muscle connection. But when you actually break it down from an anatomical point of view, what you're doing at the top of that rep to squeeze is actually just moving your origin closer to your insertion. And that's something that completely transparently, I just didn't really fully comprehend. And obviously, as you bring it back down, really stretching it out, you're lengthening the muscle. And then as you come back up, you're, you're putting it into a range or putting tension on the muscle in its shortest part of the movement at the top, whereby you're bringing the, the origin closer to the insertion. And sometimes it's stripping it back and going, right, okay, okay, you're in a, a hotel room or you're in a hotel gym or you're in a home gym or you're, you're limited with equipment. You can still work on the basics of exercise execution, but also on you know the fundamental movements. And I think it's it's come from a you know external cues. Of course, will make a massive difference. But identifying that what you're actually trying to do, like if I'm chatting to a friend or or I'm training with someone, uh, someone that I'm comfortable with, because I would never chat to someone in the gym and say hey, you're doing this wrong, or or a client, I would say, what are you trying to do? And they would say, oh, I'm trying to lift the weight. No, you're not. What you're trying to do is contract the muscle. And once you can really compartmentalize that you're just actually using weights or forces to challenge an internal focus of the muscle to contract, that's all you're doing. You're manipulating the dumbbell or you're manipulating the load or the machine or the fly or the cable or, or the bar. You're manipulating that to put a, a stress through a muscle and challenge that muscle as much as possible. So until you intern, in, internalize that that's actually what you're doing, it can become quite difficult. And sometimes, you know, uh, you can become quite clouded. Like, what, what should I do to stimulate my, my chest the most? Should it be a, a fly, pec deck machine, um, you know, uh, an, an inclined smith? whatever it is, think, okay, well, what can I actually manipulate in this gym that will give me the best internal stimulus to my chest and move my origin from its most lengthened point to the insertion to its shortest point, of course, eventually with X amount of load that will, will give you, you know, best results. And I, I, I really don't think that there's many things in, in the most basic gyms that you can't use to focus on aspects of your physique that you can improve. It's, I, I struggle I to think, right? I think it's, it, it's something that probably needs to be stripped back even more so. Um, and the one thing I love about you and, and, and the way you approach you know, program design in these situations is that um, completely simplifying it, like you said, from a push to a pull um, to a, a hip and knee and, and a core exercise really simplifies it all. If you can think, okay, what can I do in this gym that is an efficient push exercise or a pull or you know a, a hip or, or, or a knee extension exercise or, or a core exercise, 
you know, that, that, that is for, for the vast majority of people more than enough. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like if we, if we strip out like uh, kind of the analytical side of program design, like we have volume, um, we have frequency, which frequency is really just a tool in order to manipulate volume and better adhere to the volume you need to grow. And then we have intensity and or load. Um, but on a more specific le- level, kind of what you were explaining, and, and basically the cue I gave with popping the balloon was a easy way for me to get a general population client to understand the stretch shortening cycle. Like you said, we're stretching the muscle, we're shortening and contracting the muscle. So if we look at it like that, like, okay, we're doing push pull hip knee core. Maybe today my focus is going to be on load because load is a parameter for growing. So we need to load the muscle. Now, maximizing my stretch shortening cycle might work best for me with a pec deck fly, like you mentioned, because I get the biggest stretch and it's easier for me to create that shortening, that contraction at the top. However, I can't significantly load that because I'll get joint pain. It just isn't a movement that I can load heavily. And and sometimes loading is an important thing. So on the next day, when I do push pull hip knee core, maybe I'm doing a heavy bench press because that's the movement pattern. I might not get the most maximal stretch shortening cycle, but I can maximize my load. So now we're kind of varying the, uh, the way we're approaching muscles throughout the week to optimize load, optimize volume, and optimize, we're not going to call it connection like you mentioned, because I agree with you. I've kind of changed my philosophy on that. Um, it's just I just don't know what else to call it at this point. But that stretch shortening cycle, we're going to optimize the way we feel that. And you can kind of do that throughout the week. Now, I said push pull hip knee core in one session. That's obviously a full body session. Um, I don't think that's for everybody. I don't personally enjoy that doing that. But when somebody has three days or less, they can train. Somebody's training in a hotel. I do find that favorable. But if we're doing a push pull legs or an upper lower split, we can still use this idea of maximizing load volume and that contraction cycle. Um, And I think that's really important for people. And going back to like going it's simplifying, but it's going a little bit deeper too, is, is looking at how your joints actually function too. So a good example is the bicep curl. How do I maximize that stretch phase and the the shortening phase, the contraction phase um, with one movement? So if I'm in the gym for a limited amount of time, I'm in a hotel, how do I do this? Maybe I'm going to do an incline bench, super, or a hammer grip incline bench curl to a supinated contraction. And the reason I say that is because at the bottom of the movement, my shoulders are in full extension and my grip is neutral. When I rotate my grip into a neutral position and I pull my shoulders back into extension, my bicep is at the maximum amount of stretch that it can go to in those joint positions with my elbow and with my shoulders. At the top of the movement, I'm going to rotate my hand into a supinated grip, so palms up, and I'm actually going to allow my elbows to drive a little bit forward, bringing the dumbbell closer to my shoulder. When I do that movement, I'm maximizing the contraction at the top. So instead of just swinging the dumbbells or keeping my elbows at my side or my shoulders, I'm going to control the movement because something you mentioned about uh, moving the joints too much uh, earlier when we were talking, I agree with because you can't loosely go through this or else your traps are going to be firing, your shoulders are going to be burning, and now you're not doing a bicep curl. But if you control that movement properly and you're, you're really trying to emphasize that stretch at the bottom and then you're trying to emphasize that peak at the top by utilizing your joints properly, you're going to come out better from a muscle growth perspective. And you can also vary this throughout the week. So maybe one day I'm doing a shoulders extended back and neutral grip. And then the next day I'm doing a shoulders inflection with supinated grip, like an easy bar preacher curl. Um, And by varying these things, I'm now not just using my muscle in one way every single time. Um, 
I'm using it in multiple ways. And the reason I really wanted to kind of put that out there, and, and again, I'd love your thoughts on this because it's always a good conversation, is because I see a lot of people doing programs and they're like, well, one day I do low reps, one day I do high reps. And I'm like, okay, I, I understand that. You're undulating your intensities. That's smart. However, you're doing a barbell curl every time. Your joints are in the same position every single time. So you're not maximizing the way your muscle's moving. Therefore, it's not going to maximize how it grows. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you say it like that, it really just simplifies things. Um, and I think so often I see people overcomplicate things like this that it, that it really can just be simplified and broken down like that. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And I think a lot of times they complicate it in the wrong way. Like I mentioned earlier, they complicate it by doing eight different variations of the fly. It's a, it's a pec deck fly, then a dumbbell fly, and then an incline fly. And it's, they're, they're still using the same movement pattern. I'd rather them do one fly and master the technique and then use their shoulders and elbows and, and back and chest and all these things in a different way, in a different position with a different movement completely on another day. Um, but yeah, man, I think the biggest, the biggest thing there is, is learning the, the mechanics and, and how your body actually works and moves and contraction, then doing it in a way that simplifies it so you can stay consistent. So just to throw you on the spot, dude, a full body, full body workout. Uh, give me an example of a push, a pull, a, a hip, a knee, and a core exercise that you would do in a, in a hotel gym. Love it. Um, so a push would be some kind of horizontal press above anything else. It's going to be the safer on your joints. Um, I, I love the overhead press, but if somebody doesn't have good thoracic mobility or shoulder overhead reach, I'm probably not going to be doing overhead press. So for a hotel gym, I might be doing a uh, partially neutral. So elbows flared out a little bit at like a 45 degree angle dumbbell floor press with a pause at the bottom going as heavy as you can with a slow negative. If there's a bench, we might do a, a regular bench press with a dumbbell so we can get a bigger stretch. But regardless, I'm doing a dumbbell flat bench. Um, if I'm doing a pull, I'm going to stick with a horizontal pull as well. Again, I think the horizontal pull is going to be safer and healthier for your joints. And there's so many different variations and you can target multiple muscles with that. So I could drive my elbows high and target my traps and rhomboids, my rear delts. I could drive my elbow really low and have less elbow flexion and target my lats tremendously. So I might actually double down and do two different rows, one with a high elbow or like a posterior fly. And then I might do one with a low elbow to get my lats. Then I'm going to move on to the hip hinge. More than likely, I'm either um, going to do an RDL. I, I'm a big fan of RDLs. I think the, uh, the, the contraction of the stretch, the stretch phase of RDL is just so, such a great hamstring builder. Um, and if you bend your knees enough to sit into it, you're going to activate your glutes quite a lot too. Um, and then locking out your hips at the top, iso isolating by squeezing your glutes for a good one to two seconds is going to fire the glutes as well. Um, if somebody had a low back issue or had tight backs or their, their spinal erectors on their low back are just a little too active, I might do a hip thrust variation with just a dumbbell on their lap or even just body weight with really high reps. Um, but I'm most likely going to pick RDL just to get the hamstrings a little bit more active. And then a knee dominant in this scenario, I probably would do some kind of a lunge. If they're in a hotel gym, they're probably not going to have super heavy weights. So at best, we could do a heavy loaded goblet squat, which I think can be great if you elevate your heels a little bit and you create a slow negative to really emphasize that stretch and maybe pause at the bottom. Um, but I think we can cr create more emphasis and intensity and effort inside the muscle if we isolate it by doing a unilateral. Because if I have, if, if the max weight I can use is 50 pounds in a hotel, I can do a 50 pound squat and that's distributed 25 pounds per leg, let's say, or I can do a lunge with a 50 pound dumbbell in each hand. And that's going to lead to a hundred pounds per leg. So, um, 
I'm probably going to go with a reverse lunge or a dumbbell split squat, like a Bulgarian split squat, but some kind of split squat variation. And then something for my core. If I only have one choice, I'm probably going to go with some kind of plank or I'm going to go with a carry. Keep it very simple. It's the most complete core exercise. Um, carries are one of my favorite movements. I think the carry movement pattern is very functional. It's very fundamental. However, a lot of people don't feel burning in their core and they, they enjoy that. So because of that, I'm probably going to pick a plank or like a hollow body hold or um, a, a dead bug variation because those are going to stimulate more of your core and get you breathing properly as well. Awesome. Awesome. Dude, so, I mean, it's, it's really simple if when, when you, you know, when uh, I think a lot of people overcomplicate it, especially on holiday, like for example, right now I've got a lot of clients going on holiday and they're like, well, what should I do when I'm away? What should I do in terms of kind of the nutritional aspect? And, you know, my advice is just to uh, slightly biased, obviously, because, you know, my thoughts around nutrition, putting carbs around your workout, I would be get your workout in, you know, more so than, you know, just getting your steps in, get some form of workout in, even if it's a hotel gym, even if it's, you know, the equipment's not great, focus getting, you know, your, your decent, say high calorie, high carb meals in and around that training session, ideally post-workout and just enjoy being away. What would you say to people in terms of the nutritional aspect or how they should change nutrition in relation to, let's just say, a home gym or, you know, uh, let's just say a, a hotel gym or even just a hotel room workout um, compared to, you know, if they're going to a commercial gym or, yeah, so, or the things to consider. So I think that like if somebody is at a hotel gym because they're on vacation, I'm very similar to you. I'm going to, I'm going to tell them, Hey, like you're going on a trip, you're going on vacation. Our goal isn't to progress. Our goal is to try to maintain go enjoy the travel, go have fun, get a workout in, prioritize carbs around one period of time, ideally around your workout. But at the same time, if you train in the morning in a fasted state and you're going out for uh, an evening of fun and socializing at night, I'd probably say like do a modified fast, have a shake in the morning, like keep calories pretty low and then put all your calories at night so you can actually enjoy that without having any repercussions. Now, if somebody is like in my scenario, uh, they have a garage gym, um, or let's say like a little bit regressed because my garage gym is pretty, pretty legit. And I, I obviously train pretty hard, but this is, this is like what I do for a living. So the person who has a garage gym, they're not training in a commercial gym. Like you mentioned, maybe they're not doing as much volume, so on and so forth. I'm probably in a very similar camp to you. Total daily macros are probably going to be priority number one. That's the, the first thing in the hierarchy, obviously. But then I'm going to prioritize carbs around my pre and post workout. If I feel that they would uh, benefit from intra workout carbs, I might throw in some highly branched cyclic in there uh, with acids or something like that. I'm, I'm a big fan of intra workout carbohydrates if I feel the person is suited for it, meaning they have a good amount of muscle mass, they're training hard still, um, and they're not super overweight. So if somebody's obese looking to lose weight, we obviously don't need that. But I do think for somebody in my position or in a position where they're training in a garage gym, simplify the exercises, go harder, have pre post workout carb and protein. And the rest of your meals can actually be low to moderate carbohydrates with higher protein and higher fats. Um, and I think focus, mental clarity, satiation, those things are just going to be better off. I think fat loss is going to be a little bit easier maintained as well because we're prioritizing the workout window for carbohydrates. And, and I know there's kind of some controversial research going against like it even mattering. Um, I just think there's just so much 
experience and anecdotal proof from myself and so many other fitness professionals like yourself that see advantages from prioritizing the pre and post workout window for carbohydrates when insulin sensitivity is higher. We're better utilizing those carbohydrates. It just it it, it just makes sense to me and. and not only from a theoretical standpoint, but I've just seen it work. So usually I'm going to prioritize the same thing. Usually people, when they have a garage gym, they're working out in the morning. So my thing is like, hey, if you're waking up and working out real early, get up, drink a protein shake. So you just have some protein pre-workout, maybe have some intra-workout carbs. After your workout, have high protein, high carb meal. The rest of your day should be high protein, high to moderate fat, and relatively low carbs. And I think you're going to get great results. Amazing, dude. Thank you so much. I mean, I think for a lot of my my clients, generally speaking, I will try, like you said, to try and move them towards, you know, getting out there, going to a gym. But obviously in certain 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 situations, it's just unavoidable. Um, and obviously really, really important to have that option and know what to do. Um, I'm going to put you on, on the spot and, and ask you actually the exact same question you asked me on your podcast. If you were on a flight over to London now and you were to read one book, listen to one album and have two people, one person either side of you, who and what of those would you choose? You know, it's funny is I've done a lot of podcasts asking this question. I've never been asked. Um, I wasn't expecting that. The album I would listen to uh, is going to be, and this is going to sound funny because it's, it's an older album, but Oasis definitely maybe oh, is the album, but love I'm, I'm a huge Oasis fan. I've always been. Really? It's, yeah, it's it's actually funny. Like when I'm working or need to get in that flow state, I I put on Oasis and I have What's like your favorite song. Oh shit, that's so hard, dude. Um, I I I want to say like Champagne Supernova is just like a classic, but it's, it's it. not. It, it's it's a great song and the lyrics are really powerful. But I also love Little by Little. Um, right. I mean, there's so many good ones. I'm trying to think. There's one song. I think it's uh. Uh, cast no shadow that I'm thinking of, but there's one no. song that the, the words and the lyrics really speak to me. Um, but it's a it's a great album, great great band, man. I I, I love Oasis, so I would choose them for the. You just got a ton of UK followers right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. It's I actually have a coach that works for me that lives in London, man. So he's over there by you. So I'm not. Um, I'm I'm already got some people over there, thankfully. Uh, but great great artist. Uh, so that, that would be the album. The book I would pick, that's hard. Oh, it's fucking hard too. Um, I might say, you know, I, I really love The Alchemist. I think it's a great book. Um, Dude, I've read it. Good book. It's so good. I've read it so many times. Right now on my bookshelf. It is yeah. so good. Yeah, me, so good. Me too. Um, so I love that one, but I don't know if I would pick it just because I've read it so many times. Um, the, uh, the other one that came to mind though, would be the go-giver. I love the go-giver. I think that's a super important book. I, it's a book I make all my coaches. Who's that it is by, um, Bob Berg. I'm looking at it right now. And John David Mann. So it's two people, but it's a very powerful story. So it's a fictional story about a man who just chooses to give over anything else and it creates so much wealth and success in his life. Um, and I think if you have a go-giver mentality, I just think that's, that's, it's truly such a powerful thing. So I'd probably choose the go-giver cause you, it's timeless. You can read it over and over again. It just gives you, it, it reaffirms 
terms how you should be as a human being above all else. Like we spoke on my podcast about we're not, we're not coaches. We're uh, human connection. Like we're just building off human connection, right? We're not trainers. And I think that's like what that book is so good at doing. It's teaching you that like we should really just be connecting to human beings. Um, and the two people I would sit by, um, number one would be The Rock. I would choose The Rock. It sounds cliche, but he's awesome. Dude, he's just like, he is he accomplishes so much and he does so much. He's into training. He's into fitness. He's just like a very powerful figure that I think would, you could learn so much from spending some time with. So I definitely would pick him. Um, and then I would probably pick part of me wants to say Abraham Lincoln, man. Like it sounds funny, but if you ever go back and read and study some like biography work on Abraham Lincoln, the man was uh, ahead of his time. Um, what he did in history was unbelievable and, and the way he approached life. Like when I first read uh, uh, The Habits of Highly Effective or How to Win Friends and Influence People, he spoke about Abraham Lincoln a lot. And then I read Ego is the Enemy and he spoke about uh, Abraham Lincoln. And it was just like over and over, I kept hearing like stories about how great of a man he was. And I went back and researched some stuff on him and he's just a powerful figure. So I, I would probably choose him. Awesome. Awesome. I think the one thing that I love about, you know, Abraham Lincoln was reading about his hot letters. And so yeah. for those of you who, who aren't aware, Abraham Lincoln used to write hot, what he called hot letters, where if he had something difficult to say, or someone in his army or uh, one of his staff had done something, he would write a letter, close it up, put it in his desk, and he would come back to it. So he wouldn't react or, or, or you know, blow a fuse. Uh, and that's something that is really powerful because I think something to be able to stop, check yourself, breathe. It, it's exactly like, you know, my, my favorite quote that we spoke about already between stimulus and response lies in space. That ability to pause, you know, not be so impulsive, assess what's going on, sleep on whatever it is and make a rational decision is really, really important. So, dude, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for, for, for me is it, and, and, you know, on a selfish point of view, even just having this discussion, you know, when I go on holiday or, or I'm traveling and I mean, let's say a gym that's, that's a little below par, it's really important to know, you know, how to structure food, uh, what sort of split, what sort of training programming I should be kind of focusing towards, um, especially say with limited space or for those out there who, you know, they want to train at home for whatever reason and what sort of equipment they should get on board. So dude, I really appreciate it. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Where can people contact you directly if they want to learn more or uh, where can they find your podcast? Yeah, man. So uh, thank you so much for having me, dude. I, I appreciate the time and, and having me on. Uh, the best place to find all of my stuff is boomboomperformance.com. Uh, we run a lot of videos on YouTube. We run a podcast called the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, right? Free eBooks. We have a membership site. Like Everything is basically there and we just have it in one place. Um, but the place I'm most active and the place you can reach me at easily, uh, most easily is uh, Instagram. So at Cody.boomboom. Boom 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 is my nickname. So that's why everything is Boom Boom performance but you can check me out there i answer all my dms and that's the easiest place to find me where did the boom boom come from dude just put you on the spot um it's not as cool of a story as i wish it was to be honest with you but basically so i played soccer growing up and when i was a sophomore no when i was a freshman i made the varsity team and i got to play uh, at the high school so i would travel from the junior high to the high school and play with my brother and my brother's nickname was Vinny boom boom mcbroom and then i became cody boom boom and it was the boom boom brothers playing on the soccer field together and i have no idea why the announcer created it one day but it's stuck oh. and ever since then everybody's just been calling me that 
Dude, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, man. Guys, as always, I'm going to leave you with the same quote that I leave you at the end of every podcast. Make the most of today. You will not get this day again. Peace. Guys, I'm interrupting this podcast for one reason only. I want to say a massive, massive thank you to every single one of you listening. Whether you've left a review on iTunes, whether you've shared this in your story, whether you've referred this to a friend, I just want to say a massive thank you. As a thank you from me, I want to give every single one of you something for free, something that you can take away and something that you can use. So what I want you to do right now, while you're listening, whether you're on Spotify, whether you're on Stitcher or whether you're on iTunes, continue listening this second, head straight over to my Instagram page. Now, I want you to click the link in my bio and hit free arm guide. I want you guys to download that, take it away, utilize it, give it a go. Let me know your feedback. Let me know how you're getting on as a massive thank you from me to you. So click the link in my bio, uh, put your email address in. It will get sent directly to you in seconds, completely automatically, completely for free as a massive thank you for you guys um, even listening to this. You know, I never thought that there would be this many people listening. Just recently, we've hit 100,000 downloads, which is mental, um, and I want to give something back. So as a thank you from me to you, uh, click the link in my bio, download the free arm guide, and get started. Um, You've got three workouts within that arm guide. You've got a hypertrophy arm day, you've got a strength arm day, and you have got an arm blaster. Now, if you're going to do the arm blaster, take about 60 to 90 minutes out of your day because it is going to be amazing. Um, it's a little bit longer than usual, but some really, really good execution tips in that ebook. I hope you make the most of it. Guys, thank you again.